welcome to the Gerald Davis Overflowing Cup Tape Ministry. God's people are being informed and changed through these anointed revelation truths. Gerald's messages are aimed at helping God's people walk in success for the rest of their lives on earth. This message will help you do just that. I'm going to read right quick 30 things to you that God cannot do. God cannot lie. God cannot change. God cannot recall our sins after we've asked for forgiveness. God cannot be the author of confusion. God cannot leave us or forsake us. God cannot go back on his promises. God cannot revoke his gifts. God cannot be pleased without faith. God cannot be defeated. God cannot be too big for our problems. God cannot be too little for our problems. God cannot prefer one person over another. God cannot break his covenant. God cannot revoke his calling. God cannot be unjust. God cannot do anything contrary to his word. God cannot bless a lie. God cannot love sin. God cannot give anything to a double-minded man. God cannot be forced into an impossible situation. <laughs> I love it. God cannot ignore the praises of his people. God cannot be our problem. God cannot be overcome by the world. God cannot be late. God cannot be neutral. God cannot be weak. God cannot bless doubt. God cannot withhold wisdom from those who ask him for it. God cannot be against us. And God, God cannot be limited or confined. Amen. 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 Turn to the book of Numbers. And I want to read from chapter 13. And let's begin at verse 20. What the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first, gri first ripe grapes. I've been preaching to God's people that the time has come. God told me, woke me up and told me that the time had come when he was going to take his people out of the debt and borrowing lifestyle and make us to be the lenders. How many have heard me preach along those lines? The time, he said, has come. God has a timing for things. And what I'm reading to you now has to do with a time that came. Now look at verse 23. They came to the brook Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch of with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff. Look at verse 25. They returned from searching of the land after 40 days and went and came to Moses. 
and to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Last line, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Malachites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, etc., etc., etc. Have you ever heard excuses about why you can't have what God promised? How many have ever discovered a few yourself? They dwell in the mountains, they were in the valley, they were everywhere. The Canaanites are down by the sea and the coast of Jordan. But Caleb said, everybody say, but Caleb said. <laughs> he stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went with him said, we're not able to go up against the people because they're stronger than we. Now I want you to go over with me to 1 Timothy. And let's read in chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Paul is writing to his son in the Lord, Timothy. And Paul has taught this young man faith. I'll tell you, as much as I've traveled, as much as I've gone across this country and circled this globe, I thank God for this church. I'm not saying it just because I happen to be here tonight. I tell it in other places. Grace has a pastor that teaches faith. Amen. Amen. And so it gives me a platform to move off of without having to develop the faith message and just share with you some things I want to say tonight as a result of the life of lived walking in faith. I've been going now for 50 years, pastored for 20 years, did overseas evangelism, crusades, teaching seminars. I don't know what I've done about all the ministry there is that can be done. All five of the gifts have operated in me at some time or other. I have never had God fail me yet. Hallelujah. Never yet. And so Paul said to Timothy, son, you man of God, flee the things, things he mentioned above, covetousness, etc., etc. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and fight the good fight of faith. The reason it's a good fight is because you never lose. If you stay in it, amen? And hold on. Lay hold. Lay hold on it, on eternal life. You're called to it. You've been called to it, and you have your testimony out. You have professed a good profession among many witnesses. I want to tell you just, if I can, six stories that I call grapes that I have eaten from the promised land. I've been there, seen the grapes, got a cluster of them, 
I don't know if you can see it from where you are or not, but this is a list that I wrote on a place in my Bible in the book of Galatians. And there, there are 28 stories that I just jotted here to jog my memory. And uh, I can't tell them all tonight, but these are grapes. If you see this little drawing up here, that's a cluster of grapes that I drew in my Bible. And these are the grapes that I've eaten from the promised land. Not all of them. There are many more. I thought of two more on the way over here tonight. Oh, that I had time. But I do have time to tell you those that I think are significant to us for now and the timing that God has brought us into in this hour. The just shall live, not die. Win, not lose. Overcome, not be overcome by faith. Say this with me. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. I want to tell you first about the experience I had having been called to preach but not anointed. And I didn't know the difference at the time. And you'll laugh and you'll feel sorry for me probably a little bit. I was in Annaville, Texas. The local presbyter of the Assemblies of God that I was in at the time came to me where I was selling ladies' shoes downtown Corpus Christi and said, Gerald, there's a church out in Annaville that needs a pastor. The pastor and his wife had a fist fight on the platform and there's nobody coming anymore. Would you go out there and see if you can revive it? True story. So I went out there, didn't even have a list of names of people that used to come. But Thelma and I decided we'd start doing some knocking on doors. So we went out there and and uh, I started opening up the church at church time, turn the lights on. We'd walk back and forth. You know, uh, Thelma played the piano. And Jerry was about three years old. And he'd follow me as I'd walk around the altar. And I played my clarinet with Thelma. And, and uh, we worshiped the Lord a little while, and then we'd leave. We did that five services in a row. And on a, on a Wednesday night, no, no, Sunday night, I saw some lights come up in the driveway. I took off out there. <laughs> and it was a lady in the car. She said, what are you doing here? And I said, we're having church. She didn't see any other car there. She said, well, who's here? I said, well, there's six of us. There's me, my wife, my little boy, Jerry, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. <laughs> And I said, if you'd come in, there'd be seven. <laughs> and she said, well, she laughed. She said, well, I tell you what, I'll have some people here next Wednesday night. She said, I've been watching you over here come and, and, and turn the lights on. And she said, uh, I'll see you Wednesday night. I have some people here. I had 15 show up. Well, <laughs> that's a pretty good start. I had been preaching best I could. I was in a family of preachers and, and I knew some pretty good preaching and preachers. But I, I just couldn't seem to get sermons for myself out of the Bible. 
I'd read it, and it was just like blank pages nearly. And I'd read it. I was called to preach the gospel. I'd lay awake at nights crying because I didn't have a place to preach. And yet when it come time, I didn't have, I couldn't understand. I just couldn't get my own sermons. And I would buy, go to the bookstore and buy perforated sermon books and tear out, I'm telling the truth. I'd tear them out, underline them and get up there and I would do the best I could off of somebody else's notes. I did that for nearly two years. We had 25, 30 people that were coming. And a preacher in town that I knew and respected, pastor of a good, strong church, called me one day and he said, Gerald, my son-in-law is an outstanding preacher. Do you know him? Told me his name. No. He said, uh, why don't you have him come out and preach for you Sunday? And I said, well, you know, I don't know him, but I know you. Tell him, come on. So he came out and he preached a sermon Pastor Hale, that he titled Eagle Saints or Barnyard Fowls. Now, the reason I'm telling this is because when Pastor called me today, he was telling me Monica was having some problems and he needed to spend some time with her to, to get her physically some physical help. And he felt like he didn't have the proper time apparently to, you know, do a, the service or, or to get ready for the service tonight in his spirit. So he asked me to preach. We got to talking about it and I told him this story. And after that, Pastor, is when they started growing and building in me. You know, the book of Acts is not over. Amen. And that man came out and he preached a sermon he titled Eagle Saints or Barnyard Fowls. And he compared the nature of a golden eagle with that of a Dominecker hen. And he was a, that man was packed with an anointing and power. And when he finished, that man preached a solid hour. And when he finished, we were begging him not to quit. We had laughed, we had cried. When we left the church that morning, my wife and I got in our car and the fellow was supposed to pastor, fans were supposed to meet us at a restaurant. So we were going down there to meet him. Jerry was in the back seat of the car. And uh, he was, you know, I said he was three years old earlier. He talked and walked real early. He had, couldn't have been more than three and a half years old at this time because Tommy was still in Thelma's lap, just a baby. And Jerry reached up and laid his hand on my shoulder. And he said, Daddy. I said, what? He said, uh, Brother Jones. Said, now he's a professional preacher, isn't he? <laughs> well, you know, I was pastoring a church. My analytical fool mind said, well, son, what do you think daddy is? <laughs> Big mistake. He said, three and a half years old, he said, oh, dad, you're just a flat tire. <laughs> Thelma felt so bad for me, she turned around and got on to him. She said, Jerry, you'll hurt daddy's feelings. So he laid his little stubby hand back up on my shoulder and patted it. And he said, oh, Dad, you got a little bit of air. <laughs> I knew you'd laugh at me. And I deserved it. And I went before God after that, and I spent six months walking the aisles of that church. 
And I cried and I prayed and I said, God, you've got to do something for me. I know that kid was speaking words right out of your mouth to me and I've got to have something from heaven. I've got to. I can't handle this. I've got to have something from heaven. God, show me, teach me, give me something. I didn't know what I wanted. I just knew I needed something because I'd heard that man preach that day and everybody else knew he had something. And I was sitting at my desk on a Wednesday evening reading the Bible looking to see if there's anything in there I could get for myself to preach. I was reading the story of Elisha when he raised the Shunammite, when he raised the Shunammite woman's son that had died sitting in her lap. And the Lord began to let me see a comparison to that and the gifts of the Spirit that were no longer operating in, in, in the churches that I was in. My church, I didn't operate in them. People, no, nobody in my church operating the gifts of the Spirit. We didn't see any of that. And suddenly... I saw the analogy and the comparison as I was going through it and how, how the reviving came for that lad yes. through the anointing of a man of God. And all of a sudden I said, God, I saw I was getting a sermon for myself. And I leaned back in my chair and tears flooded my eyes. I said, God, help me. And that night when I got up and started preaching, I didn't get into my message 10 minutes until everybody, there wasn't but 15 or so people there that night, Wednesday night, they, everybody got up and they came to the altars, fell across the altars crying and praying with their hands in the air, crying, God help us, restore to us what we've lost. And that night I knew, I knew that God had anointed me to preach. And there is a difference in speaking out of your head and speaking out of your heart. I heard C.M. Ward, revival time speaker for the Simmons of God on the radio many, many years, say something of many things that we always listen to C.M. Ward. That man could say more than 15 minutes and most of us say in an hour. And I heard him say this one time, what's born of your mind, he was talking to preachers. He said, what's born of your mind only reach your mind. What's born of your heart will reach your heart. And I saw the difference that day between what it was to be anointed and what it was to get a sermon packaged together, homiletical, analytical, all the scriptures in order, your little joke, et cetera, et cetera. And there's nothing wrong with these things, but I'm telling you, if it's not born out of your heart and it doesn't come out of your heart, it's not going to do what the heart has to have. You know what I'm talking about. So there's a difference between being called and being anointed. And the same thing is true in your life for whatever it is you're called to do. If you get a hold of God and you're not seeing effectiveness in your call, God will give you something, but you've got to want it. You've got to be hungry, man. You've got to want it. It has to burn in you till you can't stand it. You've got to have help. And if God has to talk to you out of a baby, he can do that too. Amen. <laughs> I want to talk to you a minute about why we need to want to be healed. Some pastors say, well, that ain't no problem, man. I hate hurting. There's a better reason. Well, this thing is getting me down. I can't get my work done. There's a better reason. Well, yeah, preacher, you know, I mean, I can't even function as a father, as a husband well, I mean, or a wife. You know, I want to be healed. This thing is very inconvenient. There's a better reason. I did not know it. And I want to share with you what God gave to me as the best motive there is for being well and whole in your body. I learned this through an experience that I had in Oregon. 
I'd been called by an Assembly of God pastor who had an uncle that was pastoring a more charismatic type church in just out of Austin that I had preached for. So he called me and invited me to come up and do a week of meetings. I went up there and I began to preach the faith that I preach with all the authority and power that God had given me. And I was operating in the gifts of the Spirit there. I could tell that it was totally, totally new to them. They, when I began to operate in the gift of Spirit, calling people out, various diseases, sickness, healing, and they saw the healings. The first, <clears throat> I started on Sunday morning. I ended up on the following Sunday morning. By Monday and Tuesday night, a lot of them had called a pastor and said, we ain't coming back. They thought I was operating in witchcraft. That's how little they knew about spiritual gifts. And yet they saw the healings and they knew that couldn't be wrong. And so by Wednesday night, they decided that they'd come back and give it another try. Because a lot of things I was teaching, you know how we teach faith and confession, etc. A lot of people, they don't know anything about these things in some of the state denominational churches. And that was one of them. And uh, the pastor would not even fellowship with me. He didn't, he didn't have a meal with me. He didn't have a cup of coffee with me. Nothing until after service on Wednesday night. I'd done Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night after service. He came to me and he said, would you have a bite to eat with me? I thought, well, you know, yeah, I eat. <laughs> so we sat down eating. He looked at me and he said, you know, I don't know. I don't know what has happened here. But I've been sitting listening to you. And he said, I'm sure you've noticed that I haven't said amen. I haven't acted like I was with you or whatever. And in the kind of demonstration, he said, I've just been watching and reading the scriptures. And he said, everything you're saying is right there in the scriptures. But he said, do you run, know that you're, you're, what you're saying in preaching and teaching is right the opposite of what they taught us in our schools? And I said, well, I know I went to the same school you did. And he said, I'm asking you to forgive me. I said, no problem. So Friday, he'd not only been fellowship with me, you know, eating with, but he wanted to go play racquetball. I went with him. <clears throat> it's cold up there. And I didn't take anything with me to change in. So when I came out after playing racquetball, I was all sweaty and sweats they'd loaned me. And when I got home <clears throat> during the service that night, I felt my, soap, my throat begin to close up. And by Friday night after service, when I got to my room, which happened to be in the pastor's home, in the pastor's mother and daddy's home upstairs, and they didn't keep it warm. They kept it cold. And all I had was covers and chills hit me. And I mean, I began to shake. That entire bed was shaking. I felt my fever come up. My throat closed tight. And you can imagine what the devil was saying to me. How are you going to face these people now? 
They've got a big day planned for you on Saturday. They're going to take you up to the Tetons. You're going to have a big day traveling with them in the car and you sick running fever with chills. And you've been preaching faith and finally got their attention and all the people by that time had cars started coming back plus they started inviting friends and I mean the meeting had broke out. We were having church. And I laid there in that bed and I didn't have an aspirin. I couldn't call on the people downstairs to come up and pray for me. They were amazed that I would even preach like I preached. They, they couldn't afford to see me sick. I mean, I'm telling you the truth, it was that bad. So as I lay there, all the natural thoughts began to run through my mind. How are you going to explain this to these people the way you've been preaching? How many know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you, pride gets in to us when we least realize it at times. And I began to think, how am I going to cover myself on this? And I realized that my motive for being healed was wrong. And as I lay there, God brought something back to me that I had preached a short time before and did not, did not remember until just now. He brought it back to me. I had said that God spoke to me and told me. He asked me this question. Do you know why the devil makes people sick? Well, I just assume because he hates us. We're God's children. He's our enemy and God's enemy and he just hates us. So he puts it on us if he can. I don't know if this is going to be too heavy for you to handle or not, but it got me healed that night. What I had learned and God had spoke to me was this. He does it to intimidate Jesus. You don't, have to, you don't have to live with that if you don't want to. Just push it off. Get healed every way you can or any way you can. Take your medicine. There's nothing wrong with that. I take medicine. But I didn't have any that night. And I'm laying there and it's cold and I'm chilled and, my, and it's my throat is and I'm laying there shaking and suddenly an anger came over me, pastor, that I've never felt before at the devil and I saw something and I said out loud, devil, you're not going to use my body to intimidate Jesus Christ. I will not accept it. I will not allow it and I refuse to have it and thereby I receive my healing in the name of Jesus Christ who has power over you by his stripes. I am healed, was healed and will be healed and I will not be sick tomorrow and I just began to raise my hands and praise God and as I laid there, it wasn't hard talking tongues because my chin was, chin was you know, going anyway with the fever and chills and I I laid there and just talked in tongues and praised God. And I mean, it didn't last but about two or three minutes and everything left me except the sore throat. The fever was gone. The chills were gone. I lay there completely relieved except the sore throat. And I say that in order to tell you the rest of this. And I think there's a reason for this tonight. You're listening. And there are people here that will be able to work off of this. I thought to myself, Man, I can cover this sore throat. I mean, if I don't have chills and fever and, and I'm able to function with this tomorrow, I, I don't have to let them know I got a sore throat. I can, I can handle that. And as soon as I decided that I could handle that, 
I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, if you let the devil keep his foot in the door, he'll be back in. And I heard that in my spirit and I said, that's it. I'm not keeping the sore throat either. I said, devil, it's going and it's going now. And I raised my hands in that bed and began to glorify and praise God and pray in tongues again. I prayed in tongues for a little while and then I swallowed to see if it's gone, still there. I raised my hands back up again, kept praying, praising God, swallowed to see if it's gone, still there. I did that for about 15 minutes. I was raw determined. If there is faith and if God honors it, we're going to get this. I had my mind made up. Jesus is either dead or alive. He's either still in that grave or he's with me right here in this room and I'm not by myself. And I just kept praising God and praising God and praising God. God spoke this to my spirit one time and said, all you have to do to defeat the devil is just be more determined than he is. Well, I was more determined. I said, no, I'm not keeping it. I'd swallow. No, I'm not keeping it. I went back to praising God. After about 15 minutes of it, I swallowed, it's gone. Next day, I went about my business, and come Sunday morning, I was able to share the testimony with God's people that God does what he says he will, and he'll do it every time for those who will put their confidence and trust in him. Do what you can do with the doctors and the medicine or whatever else, but I'm telling you, there will be times when they can't do it, the medicine didn't do it, and the banker couldn't do it or wouldn't do it, and you got God to lean on, amen, and you don't have to keep failure, and you don't have to keep sickness. Amen. 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 Everybody say, I will, I will. be more determined, be more determined than, the than the devil. I will not lose. I will win. I will not die. I will live. I'm not going under. I'm going over. I'm a winner, not a loser. Keep that confession going in your spirit all day tomorrow. Keep it going. Keep it going. I want to talk a minute about the principle of thinking and considering and honoring others in preference to yourself at the time of need. It was in 1980. I just started in the traveling ministry. I was on my way from where I lived to Manny, Louisiana. I was by myself. I had no credit cards. I was just getting started in traveling ministry. I didn't have any money. I had to have $1,000, and I needed it like you need a breath of air when you've been under the water too long. And I was telling God on my way down there, Oh, God, I remember the words of Jonathan, David's armor bearer, or of Jonathan's armor bearer when he said, It matters not. To God, whether they're saved by many or by few. I said, there's hardly any people down here and they've been there before, don't know the pastor, but I know you. I said, Father, I need $1,000 and I need it now. I believe you, Father, when I get there that you're going to do a miracle through this little group and give me $1,000. Well, I knew not to tell the people. I told God. So when I got there on Sunday afternoon, they had a Sunday afternoon service arranged. They were renting a little, a little building. Had about 25 people there. So I preached, turned it back to the pastor, did what ministry I was going to do. Pastor never said a word about an offering. Dismissed the service. I thought, hmm, that's strange. So Monday night, I thought, well, you know, he's got plans. He knows what he's doing. Monday night, I did the ministry. 
closed out the service, turned the service back to him. He never said a word about an offering. Tuesday night, same thing. Well, by Wednesday night, I had decided that he's going to need a little help. <laughs> so I didn't talk to him. I just decided I was just going to tell the people that if you've been ministered to, if you've been blessed, you've been helped by our ministry, would you consider sharing an offering with us? And I'd appreciate it. And I was just going to, you know, kind of lay it out and help that pastor a little bit. <laughs> he just didn't seem to have it together. So I had my plans all made. When I, when I finished my message and I started to tell them, the Holy Ghost arrested me. And I just began to pace back and forth, talking in tongues and thinking about it. And I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me and said, take up an offering right now of $2,000 for this church. Now you can guess what hit my mind. If I did get $2,000 out of this little group, where am I going to get my 1000 And I meditated that for a little bit while I was acting religious, I guess. <laughs> Praying in tongues, walking back and forth. I finally knew, I knew in my heart that it was God spoke to me. And I've learned that if God ever tells me to do something, he's got something good in mind for me, regardless of appearances. And so I raised my head and I said, God spoke to me and here's what he told me to do. And I explained it. And I said, I have no idea why. I haven't talked to your pastor. He's not told me about any need you have. But God told me to get an offering together of $2,000 for, for, for your church right now, here tonight. And I said, I know if he spoke to me, he'll be speaking to some of you. If there's anybody out there who wants to do something, raise your hand and tell me what you want to do. So it was just two columns of people. And a man, a lady raised her hand over here on the second row, and she said, I'll give $300. Somebody behind her raised her hand and said, I'll give $200. I thought, man, we're making progress. So it kept on moving, and the different ones were raising their hand. It got to the back on that side, jumped across. The person at the back said they'd give 100 and it moved right on up. There was a man sitting kind of adjacent to me like Pastor is, sitting around the front row, and he was in the oil business. I thought, well, he's going to make it up. They got to him. He said, I'll give $100. And that stopped. I said, well, there's a thousand. We had even thousand dollars. And I said, there's a thousand. God told me to. I said, if anybody else is going to do anything, now's the time to move. Speak up or we're going to turn the service to pastor and we'll be through for tonight. A man sitting about five rows back over here on my right raised his hand. He said, preacher, I'll give that other thousand. When he did, the pastor was sitting over here on the, on, on the front row and he fell out of his chair on the floor, laid right out smack on the floor, on his face, and started slapping the floor like this, laughing and crying all at the same time. I said, Pastor, come up here and tell us what happened. I knew he had a story of some kind to tell. That kind of emotion. <laughs> and he got up and he stood there and he was slobbering and wiping his nose and trying to get his self together and he said I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this in my life he said when Gerald Davis drove up on this lot on Sunday afternoon God spoke to me and said give him a thousand dollars he said I laughed out loud he said I told God I don't have a thousand dollars I don't know where I could even borrow a thousand dollars 
but I tell you what I'll do. If you'll give it to me, I'll give it to him. He said, Brother Davis didn't know that. I never told him. And he said what he also didn't know was we had to have $1,000 right now to pay rent on this building, a payment on the piano, and buy groceries for my wife and my little boy because we haven't had any money all week long. And he said, when he did what God said and you did what God said, God gave us our thousand and his too. Grapes that I have eaten from the promised land. Yes. Let's see how I'm doing on my time. Not too bad. Will God give you more than enough? Is God a God, sure enough, of excess? I, I, I've noticed numbers of places in the Bible where he talks about his excess-mindedness. Bless you till you don't have room to receive it. Overflow your cup. Bless you till others will persecute you for it. And I noticed that God is excess-minded toward his kids. And, and, you know, most of us make excuses for the blessings to keep from getting persecuted, misunderstood, or whatever. But God, he bless you till he'll embarrass you. I've had him do it numbers of times. I don't tell all my blessings anymore because <laughs> I just don't like persecution. <laughs> Amen. But I'll tell you one thing, I don't close the door to anything God wants to do for me. Amen. I don't beg people for money. I don't talk about money to pastors when I go to get to, to have a service. I don't make any, set any fees. I never tell them how much money I have to have. I go to every size church and all size churches. And I have watched God keep his promise and bless me. And I've had numbers of pastors tell me, I don't understand it. You always get more money than anybody else we ever have here. I'm not going to stop getting, taking it if God passes it in. Thank you for it. Amen? Well, anyway, I was standing in my den. It was a 4th of July weekend. It was on a Monday morning. Tuesday was the 4th of July. Wednesday would be the day when banks opened up and everything went back into activity in the business world. So I was standing in my den on Monday morning and I was telling God, I need $5,000. I could go to the bank and get it, but you're my banker. You're my supplier. You're my source. I don't have to lean on the arm of flesh. You're bigger than they are. And you're more trustworthy and more dependable. And I just got myself talking that way. And I said, I have a storehouse, Father, that you know. And I said, right now I'm $1,700 below my comfort level in my storehouse. And I need thirty. I need $3,300 to take care of the first of the month bills. And I said, I have no idea where I'm going to get it. Preached yesterday, and the man said he'd send me a check, and I knew it'd be about $700, what he usually did. And I said, I, I don't know where it's coming from. I have no idea, but I said, I just want to go on record between me and you that come Wednesday morning, I plan to write those checks out, and I believe the money's going to be in the bank to cover it. And I'm not going to have to go down in my storehouse any deeper. I'm not going to have to borrow. I, got, I said those things. I just kept talking that. You know, speaking it out to God. How many believe in that? You tell God. He said, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Didn't he? 
Amen. We short God because we got little mouths. You know what I'm talking about. And so I, after I got it all said, laid out just like the word taught me, I just began to praise him in tongues for it. And just as I began to praise him for it in tongues, my telephone rang. And my telephone is set on a fourth ring in my house, and it's an extension from my office next door. And it's an office phone. Well, it's a 4th of July weekend. All the offices, everybody's closed. I didn't have a secretary, anybody there. And I just, I didn't want to talk on the phone. I was getting ready to go eat some barbecue somewhere, and I just had to get this thing settled between me and God. Besides that, I figured the dirty devil was trying to get involved and get me on that telephone instead of talking to God, and I had to get this thing straightened out and done. Well, my faith be sure, and my confession, everything to match up before I quit this prayer, and then praise him a while for him. So I was in the praising mode, and the telephone rang. Well, I wasn't going to answer it. I just kept praising God. And I knew on the fourth ring, you know, it would give them the recorder and they could leave me a message if necessary and I'd get back to them later. On the fourth ring, something inside of me just exploded like a voice said, answer the phone. Man, I just reached and grabbed it. I was standing right close. I just reached and grabbed it. I didn't say Gerald Davis ministry, nothing. Hello. There's a man's voice on the other end said, this Gerald Davis ministries? I said, yes, sir. He said, is Gerald Davis there? And I said, this Gerald Davis. He paused a minute. You'll understand later why. He said, this is Gerald Davis I'm talking to? I said, yes, sir. And he long paused again. He said, well, brother, you don't know me. But he said, uh, I was in a service where you preached three Sunday nights ago, and God told me to give you some money, and I didn't do it. And he said, it was a lot of money is the reason I didn't do it. And he said, when I got home, I said, I just got to meditate on this a while. I need to pray about it, you know. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, you do. It's a good governing congregation, but you still do battles with it. He said, I prayed about it, talked to God about it, prayed about it, wouldn't go away, wouldn't go away. Finally, I told my wife what God told me to do. She said, we don't know him. And he said, I know it, but I know what God said to me, and I just want to know if you're going to agree with me. She said, well, if you know God said to do it, go ahead and do it. He said, now, I just wanted you to know I'm quitting my job. I've already quit my job. I'm going up to Jerry Savelle Ministries to go to ministry school. But he said, God told me to give you this money. And he said, uh, he told me to give you $10,000. He said, I just want to know, can I bring it to you right now? Where are you going somewhere? Are you leaving? I said, I was. But I changed my mind. I will be here. And he and his wife got in the car and drove an hour and a half way over here, somewhere off of 290, and hunted me up. I had to give them specific instructions how to find me out there in the woods. And when he got there, I was prepared for him. I went out in my office, and I got a box, big box, and I put one of everything that we do in the way of ministry, books, tapes, you name it, I, just every subject. I had it waiting for him. So if you want something like that, <laughs> I told that story to tell you this. God heard my prayer that morning 
but had already predetermined what he was going to do before I ever called. And three weeks earlier had set up my answer. And therefore he said in his word, it shall come to pass before you call. I will answer. And that answers to that. And the man handed me that check. I blessed him with all my tapes, everything, had a good prayer with him. When he left, I looked at that check and I said, 10. Twice the amount of five. I asked for five. He gave me 10. He doubled what I asked for, doubled what I needed, including refurbishing my storehouse. Because God said in Deuteronomy 28, 8, I will command the blessing on your storehouses. Amen. Did you know it's not wrong to have reserves and have a savings account and enough money to live out of without having to borrow anymore? Did you know that's not wrong? God wants it for you. Well, amen. God is a God of excess and he'll give you more than enough. And yet God's people so often have a hard time believing him for just enough. One more. Can I do one more? Yeah, it's 830. I was pastoring a church in Long Point, on Long Point Road, out in Spring Branch. Some of you may be familiar with that territory. This is back in 1968. And that church was kind of like some other churches I pastored. They paid me weekly. How weekly? Very weekly. <laughs> you know, everybody used to have the theory if God keep him humble, we could keep him poor. And whether God kept you humble or not didn't matter. They're going to see through it, you stayed poor. And uh, so anyway, I was, I didn't have much money. Didn't have, you know, I had a little family. That's when my boys were young. And it costs a lot of money to raise kids in case you haven't got any. If you do, you won't argue. <laughs> and so I had a loan at the bank of uh, had a loan at a bank of a of thousand dollars that I had been borrowing from this bank and paying that bank and when it came due I'd borrow from this bank back and forth and all I was doing was paying the interest because I didn't have enough money to be able to pay anything on the principal. And while this issue was at hand, the note came due, I had a car the engine went out on completely. I only had one car. I'm pastoring a church. How am I going to? I had to call one of my church members and borrow his car to try to figure out what to do about getting my car fixed and had this bank note due at the same time. So I thought, well, I'll just go to the bank and I'll, I've got good credit. I've kept these notes up. They're making interest on me. They're happy. I'll just go to the other bank and I'll borrow enough to cover, you know, the other note and add to the amount that I need for the engine. I think it was about back then three, $350 for that engine. A long time ago. So I went to that other bank. My banker wasn't there anymore. They say he moved. 
Okay, well, what banker could I see? Well, you can see any of them you want to, but if you're here for a loan, we're not making any loans right now. We'll be making any loans for 30 days. We're revamping all of our system, et cetera, and there'll be no loans made for 30 days. He smiled, cut my throat. I walked out of that bank and I thought, God, what am I going to do? Well, I had done something when I was 18 years old I had promised myself I would never do again. I had borrowed money from a finance company. If you've ever gone down to a finance company and borrowed money, you understand why I said it the way I did. You pay the highest interest allowed by law, plus points, plus penalties if you're a day or two late, et cetera, et cetera, and you cannot prepay it. You have to pay it out inch at a time, just like they set up the schedule. How many ever done that? You ever done that? Oh, God help you if you did. <laughs> and so I didn't want to. I wasn't, oh, no, I said I'll never do that again. My back's against the wall. What am I going to do? i got to have the money. Got to get the car fixed. Got to give this church member his car back. I can't just be, so what am I going to do? I went down to the finance company, sat across the table. Man approved my loan. Pushed it across the table. And at that point, I was just, I, he said he would just loan me a thousand. I thought, well, a thousand will, you know, take care of the pressure anyway. And I'll do something here about the engine. When he approved the loan, he pushed it over to me for me to sign. And something inside of me went off. I heard a voice inside of me said, fool. You think, you know, I don't know. Did God say that to me? I heard that in my spirit, fool. It was so strong, I just pushed it back. No, I didn't. I sat there with my pen in my hand, and I just closed my eyes to pray over it. What I was doing was meditating. I, I, I get dummy. The note is there. The money is available. You get the pressure off of you. Sign it. I started to sign it again. It's just like somebody turned on a reverb in my spirit. Fool, 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 fool. It just went all over me. And I said, that does it. And I threw my pen down, pushed the paper back across the table. I said, I'm not going to borrow that money right now. I don't know. I may be back tomorrow, but I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to pray on this and I'm going to see, you know, if I can come up with something here, but I'm not going to borrow it right now. The man looked at me like I'd lost my mind, you know, and I just got up and walked out. That night, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm walking the floor. God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You don't want me to borrow that money? So I went to, anybody ever gone to the promise box and pulled a promise to see if, <laughs> see if it'd be anything there for you? Yeah. You know? And I pulled a promise, and it said the last thing in the world that I wanted to hear. It said their strength was to sit still. I thought, man, that... I can do anything but sit still. How many ever heard the expression, I got to do something for do it wrong? <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and I said, God, that can't, that can't be it. So I, I stuck it over where I could go back to it if I wanted to, and I started pulling some more. <laughs> and the more I pulled, the less they said. Didn't apply to me at all, but that one kept talking to me. I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll get the Bible out. I'll look up the context you know, surely it'll annul the thing for me because of the setting that it's couched in. So I looked it up. It was Isaiah 32, I think, or one or two or three, somewhere there. <laughs> and I read the entire chapter, and it's just like my name was written across it in capital letters. I just saw my name. I mean, it was just perfectly addressed to me. 
I thought, well, I'll go to the next chapter. You know, if you read far enough, you can finally dilute the thing, you know? I started reading the next chapter. And the first two verses said, in essence, you went to Egypt and they wouldn't help you. You went to Assyria and they couldn't help you. But you didn't turn to me. I laid that card down. I laid my Bible down and I said, that does it. If they put me in a lion's den tomorrow, I'm not borrowing that money. I made up my mind. Put me in the fire if you got to, but I'm not borrowing that money. I don't know what God's going to do, but I know what I'm not going to do. I made up my mind. So I went to bed, and the next morning at 8 o'clock, my phone rang. A lady on the other end, church member, she said, Brother Joe, could you and Thelma come by the house this morning when you get out? I got something I want to share with you. So I said, sure. So we got in that borrowed car and went over there, and she sat me down to coffee, and she was good friends of ours. And she pushed an envelope across the table, and she said, I got a story to tell you before you open that. She said, my husband and I have been trying to sell a piece of property out on the north side of Houston for $1,000. And she said, we ne two years, we never got one call. <clears throat> so she said, uh, six months ago, no, we wanted 2000 Never got a call. Six months ago, we dropped it to $1,000 because we really needed $1,000. We dropped it to $1,000. And she said, we still never got one call. And she said, just two weeks ago, I told my husband, his name, she called him Duck. And she said, I told Duck, why don't we raise it back to, to 2000 And if God will help us sell it, we'll give Gerald and, David, Ger Gerald and Thelma half of it. She said, do you know that a man called us the next day after we raised it back to 2000 and paid cash and didn't even try to talk us off of the price. And we got our 1000 and here's yours. Hallelujah. Grapes that I have eaten from the promised land. Sometime when we hold these things up before God's people, they look wonderful. They look smacking good, but often the excuses begin to set in by the minds of doubt and unbelief. Register your own soul here and say, yeah, but that can't happen to me. That's his stories, but what about my situation? He doesn't know the kind of situation I'm in. He, he, he doesn't understand. I know I don't, but how about does God how about does the God that made all these promises and I'm just passing on, does he understand? Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Can he honor doubt? And he cannot do anything in the absence of faith. Let your faith build in the fact that God never changes. If he'd bring them in and give them the land of giants, he'll bring you in and he'll give you the land of giants. If he's let me eat grapes like this, He'll let you eat grapes like this. But you need to go in with a different attitude from doubt and unbelief and go in there saying, God, I can, I'm going to, and I will. And I thank you in advance because I'm going to have the full benefits of all that you promised in your word. 
Well, I hope this has helped you a little bit. I'm going to turn the service in a moment back to Pastor Albert and let you go on time. I want you to join with me in prayer, please. I want you to join with your hands with the person next to you. Let's all stand in agreement right now that my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. I don't have to lean on the arm of flesh. I don't have to go. I don't have to go into the land of giants, opposition. They're everywhere we turn, in the valley, in the mountains. They're on the hills. They're huge. They're big. They're giants. That does not matter. Our God, if we go in, our God says, you knock them down, and I, I'll knock them down, and you cut their heads off. So God is going to destroy the enemy before your face. God is going to bring them down before your eyes, and God will give you this victory today. My brother right here in the yellow shirt, the Lord points you out to me and says, tell him to take courage. It's not like it looks like it is. It's going to be like I said it would be. All he needs to do is take his stand, get his mouth working in the right direction, and I will bring it to pass, says the Lord. Amen. Well, God knows how to do it. Praises be to God. Thank you, Father, that your word never fails those that put their trust in you. We cannot go under for going over in in Jesus' name. We're not losers, but we're winners. In Jesus' name. Stand fast. Stand fast. The answer is as you declared it would be. Yes, for the Lord has brought it to pass. Amen. The Lord is our deliverer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like it where he said he's not just your reward. He is your re-reward. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank God for victory tonight. Everybody shout amen. 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 God bless you, Pastor.